0: Uh, euphemisms for what you got, I ain't got. Okay, yeah. Ready? Okay. Ready? And uh,
1: go. Um, Department of the Interior. <laughs> classy. That's classy.
0: She who shall not be named. <laughs> uh, the place where I keep my keys. That's just for me. Oh, They're safe. Always there. the
1: last place you look. Yeah. <laughs> the Chamber of Secrets.
0: <laughs> oh, oh dear. Uh, the envelope, please. Fern Gully. (laughs) The Canyon of Heroes. The Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. The Velour Bouncy Castle.
1: That's nice.
0: Mrs. Bojangles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The Hurt Locker. That's sad. That's sad. (laughs) (laughs) On the green. I do like that. (laughs) Sam's Club. (laughs) Personalize it. Um, I'm sad to say.
0: I'm not a member.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, that's a good one. Oh, well, that was Stephen Colbert and the amazing Samantha B. Who I'm in love with right now. We'll be talking a little bit more about that later. But in the meantime, I'm Jackie Danziger. I'm James Tyson. And it's been a week. You look like death. So... Uh, <laughs> That's not a new look I'm trying. It's the result of a terrible sleep pattern and poor, poor diet. How, Everything is is falling apart in my life. How many hours of sleep are you on right now? I'm on about like three and a half, four, three and a half, four, and I did the same thing the day before that, so it's like oh God, a cumulative you six. Stop
0: looking at me, though. Your eyes are <laughs> I crazy. I can't see straight,
1: and I've I've been doing nothing but like working on a like deeply esoteric shadow puppet piece that is. <laughs> Slowly driving me insane for my thesis, and then uh, and then I'm taking an uh, an archive class where I just read hundreds and hundreds of pages of like really dense discussions of the cyclical nature of time. <laughs> is this relatable? No, no, nobody's gonna. I'm gonna just keep throwing down references though. Look out for them; they're coming. But uh, before we before we go too far. We will start our show with news from the newsfeed. Uh, this is uh, all the news that the people on our newsfeed won't shut up about. Ugh. So we're going to start with some propaganda news. Ooh.
0: Um, so this is uh, actually just real quick, uh, which is that The Onion uh, was recently purchased by Hillary Clinton's top donor. And uh, within the past couple of weeks, they published uh, this short little article that was titled Female Presidential Candidate Who Was United States Senator, Secretary of State, Told to Be More Inspiring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was witty. It's, it's funny. It's funny. But it's um, being reacted to as though um, The Onion is now uh, just a propaganda machine. And there's been this sort of wave of backlash on the internet calling out The Onion's journalistic integrity. To which I say, The Onion is not a journalist site. <laughs> it's not real news, you guys. It's not. It's just not. There is no journalistic integrity. It's comedy with an opinion, but that's not the same thing as propaganda.
1: Also, let's let's not kid ourselves. It was vaguely pro-Hillary in the sense that it was the only article I've seen where Bernie people will post it and be like, listen, I don't think 99% of the like, criticisms of her have anything to do with her gender, but this is sort of cool. Right, that yeah. was a lot for them. And even that
0: article, which was only like 250 words, still had 20 words that like still criticized her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it still got to dig in because mm-hmm. you got to. Uh, because it was about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, you can't just walk away without insulting her. No. <laughs> um, so that's my take on that. Comedy with an opinion, not propaganda. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, and then on to. Serious sad news.
1: Oh, Kesha. Kesha Who Kesha No longer has the dollar sign in her name? No, I think she does, but I think people like are trying to be respectful and they're taking it out. I, I mean, see. maybe all I know is when I had to find her music, the Google was like, "Did you mean K E dollar sign, huh?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. I like, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I spelt sure with a dollar sign just now when I said it. Hmm. I just didn't pronounce it. Uh. Um, so I think we all pretty much know at this point because okay. no one will shut up about it.
1: Yeah, so essentially Last week, a New York judge denied Kesha a court injunction that would have allowed her to record new music outside of her record label, which is Sony Music. And specifically, it would get her out of having to work with producer Dr. Luke.
0: And the reason that's a big deal uh, is a part of the lawsuit that Kesha and her mother are bringing against Sony and Dr. Luke are uh, pretty severe allegations of rape, of uh, continued sexual abuse, of uh, controlling work environment where she has no creative control and in her contract it's stipulated that she can only work with dr luke or that she has to so that she is being forced if her claims are true to work with her abuser
1: yeah although that part is the one that six
0: albums and she's only done two or three
1: yeah i i think the the real quagmire is the way that the contract was negotiated and the different parties who are involved that are not just sony music uh, so that it's like every, everyone's signed with multiple people. There's all of these legal precedents that she can't get out of it. The idea of her having to work with Dr. Luke is the part that I think is of, of everything. Sony being like, listen, that, that's negotiable. You're going to give us all your money. That part is true.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that actually was not negotiable. That's actually the the only thing she got out of the court decision was the thing that Sony was still fighting for. That they wanted her to work with Dr. Luke. And the only reason she's not is that the judge said that she can now work, work with, with other, other producers, yeah. still within Sony. So she's still being controlled by this system. But the system. So the judge's decision in general was that Sony has invested $40 million in your career you have no proof of these sexual of the sexual abuse. Well,
1: that that is just still an on, it's it hasn't been That it's it's not it's still alleged. Exactly. Because yeah. there hasn't been a trial, not because yeah, they're like it's just ongoing. Right. Within
0: the world of this courtroom, yeah. there's no Exactly. evidence of that for me to go on, which by the way, that's a whole other
1: Exactly. Ba- that's bucket what I mean. of like
0: it's <laughs> rape culture monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> um but Uh, that, that, it's a a standard contract, and no, you can't just break it.
1: Well, and it's, it's the typical argument of, like, if we start here, what precedent would it set? It's very dangerous for the music industry. We might start listening to women when they make allegations of rape. And we're trying to keep up with the internet, which is really giving us a hard fucking time. I'm struck by the fact
0: that the music industry is apparently still (laughs) built like the fucking 1930s, studio system and film where like MGM like owned Judy Garland and had the same like she was sexually assaulted and on drugs. They were feeding her
1: pills and then calling her crazy. Why? It's 2016. Sony, come on. It just goes to show you that oppression and suppression are fundamentally intertwined in our justice system and how history is written by the victors. In fact, it's like Walter Benjamin says. There's no document of civilization, which is not at the same time a document of barbarism. I'm so sorry, you guys. I'm really taking this great graduate I've been reading a lot of stuff right now. You have to
0: stop what you're doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm a monster. I'm a
0: monster. (laughs) Well, let's make you feel a little bit better about yourself uh, because I think you wanted to go on record about a little thing called Black History Month.
1: I had a great Black History Month, James. You know Tell why? Because I learned a ton of stuff this this year, and I'm really not kidding at all. I know I've been joking about this really, uh, really esoteric. There's no other word. It's just up its own butt class about <laughs> archives and history, uh, but it really is true that there's all of these forgotten pockets. And this year, I felt like. There were quite a few really good stories that I had never, ever heard of before. Specifically, the episode of Hidden Brain recently about J. Marion Sims, the father of modern gynecology, who has a huge statue in Central Park that I never noticed was in honor of a, <laughs> of a lady doctor. So anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a quick clip about this NPR story just because it was pretty brave and pretty great.
0: The story that the foundations of modern gynecology are based on the body and the pain of enslaved black women. The statue in South Carolina that says that Sims treated empress and slave women alike. Yes. Is that true? Was he treating white women the same way? He did treat white women, but he treated white women with anesthesia. Sims left in the 1850s. He left Alabama and moved to New York City for health reasons. And he started a women's
1: hospital in 1855 there. He gained a reputation as an excellent surgeon and so that he did treat white women, but the technique had been
0: perfected on the bodies of black women. So if you didn't catch it, uh, modern gynecology was built by experimenting on black slaves. Which you never would have learned had it not been for a Black History Month segment on J. Marion Sims.
1: Yep, on the show Hidden Brain. Reply All also did a great segment uh, acknowledging the fact that they forgot to mention Dr. Rosalind Franklin, whose research significantly contributed to the discovery of DNA. I had never heard of her before either. I, I'm just saying. all
0: of this was news to me.
1: I uh, I just want to go on record as saying it's been a pretty interesting month and... I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it going past February. Some might say that history uh, is an ever-evolving,
0: uh, you know, way to learn and see the modern world. So that maybe Black History Month justifies itself by re-examining portions of our history year after year.
1: And hopefully, though, we can all get down with the idea that in a utopian future, you don't need one month. Because every month would be a diverse history month. But as long as uh, we're utopia. still in a country yeah, where right. Trump is going to be a presidential candidate. Let's not get our hopes up here, everybody. So we're landing on pro Black History Month. <laughs> it was really controversial. We were on the fence for a long time. <laughs> our supporters are going to be really happy.
0: Well, with that, let's play Kesha's We Are Who We Are.
1: <laughs> hot and dangerous. If you're one of us, then roll with us. Because we make the hipsters fall in love when we got our hot pants on and up. And yes, of course we does. We run Kesha
0: Free Kesha ha- Hashtag free Kesha
1: Yeah I don't know we were just talking about the fact that Everything from hashtag free Kesha To even the music it's really really Easy to think that this is frivolous
0: I agree but as we were also Just saying when part of the issue is her Continuously saying I have no control Here it's then difficult to be like Well you know your music is really frivolous <laughs> Yeah
1: <laughs> She's, She does know that <laughs> So speaking of frivolous.
0: Oh, young people. And qualitative <laughs>
1: discussions of young women. Via
0: the internet.
1: Let's talk about this ridiculous uh, internet phenomenon of this 25-year-old millennial named Talia Jane, who wrote an open letter to the CEO of Yelp, uh, Jeremy Stoppelman. And uh, the whole internet is going insane.
0: Uh, yeah. Like, just like. Trump is saying you know what I yeah. mean like we're just like there's spittle coming out of their rage like and, oop.
1: <laughs> you're dropping your phone I, I can't so even crazy. handle the
0: situation dropping
1: at the mouth right now <laughs> <Straight> <laughs> right.
0: Um, but yeah I mean that's how they're acting and uh let's get into why that's annoying
1: <laughs> okay well let's let's before we even uh talk about why it's annoying let's talk about what it is so, uh, this this girl decided to take to the internet. Specifically, she wrote an open letter that was published on medium.com, which, where is that in the social strata oh, of the internet? I don't even know
0: anymore. Like, if it's not Gawker or Huffington Post, it's either, like, right, like everything else
1: is some, like, middle, like, where is this coming from? Who pays for this? Yeah, exactly. So, she published this letter where she is just venting about hating her job and her boss uh working at uh eat 24 which is like a subsidiary of yelp Yelp. it's like a food delivery service and uh she she just she she goes uh that sort of standard angry sassy might be comedy writing
0: but it's unclear because politically it's so not it's mush mush like it doesn't amount to anything it's not funny enough to be comedy
1: it's not politically sharp enough to be a, a strong political piece. It's not a political polemic, but her, her primary concerns is the fact that she is living in San Francisco where the cost of living is very high. She's working for a successful tech company, but she's making take-home, she calls it, like eight seventy five,
0: And she even says, like, after taxes. Exactly.
1: So, uh, and it, it goes on and on. I cannot stress oh how God, long so this long. letter is. And it is all just essentially her... Speaking in a fever dream about being starving and only being able to afford a ten pound bag of rice, and she can't she's afford been bread. And she gets stranded. She and, can't get to work. And that she and then also that she
0: like was hoping to go into media, but then got the job at, at Yelp and realized she had to work in customer service for a year before she could even transfer. Well, to she's been working
1: there for a year, but it turns out she has to work a whole extra year to get into media, and so. People are writing a slew of angry responses that all have the same headline that we just keep seeing every couple of months, which is, look at this stupid entitled millennial who thinks that they deserve something when I had to work my whole life to get where I was. And listen, kid, I get it. The world's hard, but we've all been there. So <laughs> suck it up and eat your rice and shut up. And I, I hear you. I got to say, as... As someone who actually read the thing, I didn't like it. It was not enjoyable. No, I didn't read. But... It's poorly written. It's annoying. But honestly, the most baffling part about it is why, why is this news? Well, and...
0: Yeah. The the people in demonizing this and going this level of like, well, you need to learn how to balance a checkbook. And it's like... Ugh. God, it, it's such a red herring for what the actual issue is, which is that minimum wage is not enough money to live off of no matter where you are. It does not have purchasing. And that element of it, she's not speaking well to she's it. She's not
1: the poster child I asked no. for. But the things that she is bringing up are pretty much the, the primary points of the progressive policy that's at the center point of both of our Democratic candidates' campaigns. Right, and— especially
0: like for the liberal voice to be like, you spoiled little shit. When I was your
1: age, I moved to New York and I lived on a $15 or not, not even people are like, Oh, I moved to New York and I lived on $9 an hour. And it's like, yeah, how much was your rent in 19? Whatever. Do you get what (laughs) I mean?
0: Also the sheer fact of the matter is that the minimum wage has the same purchasing power that it had in the 80s, which is lower than the peak in the 60s, and lower than the 90s. The minimum wage is not, it's not the same. So
1: for people to be like, well, I know 20 years ago I lived on that just fine. It's like a bizarre argument to make this aggressively. Like I get the it's fact- It's
0: the level of aggression. If
1: what you are saying in in reality is, I don't like this letter that this person wrote, yeah, I hear you. I don't know why the internet made me read it this week. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. Exactly. And, and why I, was this offered up to the media sacrificial lamb?
1: Uh, but the there's been a couple of responses that I think are worth, like, just talking about in terms of what we really mean. One of which is uh, this instinct. One of this uh, There was a response article written by this woman, Stephanie something. Stephanie
0: Williams. Thank
1: you. And uh, she goes through this woman's Instagram and is playing police, like, looking for anything that... Oh, that's a cupcake. Cupcakes food last time I checked. And ooh, she bought a bottle of whiskey. And if you have enough yeah, money to look buy at that whiskey, that's expensive
0: bottle of bourbon, maybe you can have something other than rice.
1: And again, guys, I hear you.
0: Oh, I hear it. Her
1: tone was real obnoxious, and it's super ironic for somebody that kept dropping the word ironic to be buying fancy whiskey if they're also saying they're starving. But here's the thing. This argument is a little bit too close to those stupid uh, videos of conservatives attacking women in a grocery store supermarket for using welfare stamps to buy steak. Right, right. Where it's like that's none of your fucking business. Yeah, it's like this person has a budget; they're trying to make it work, but the the money that they're working with would not make sense. It's not like buying that bottle. Like it's just like just mind your own fucking business.
0: And also, it again draws away from the fact. That, like, this is not, she is not the poster child for who's on minimum wage. Exactly. Here's here's a little, little few little facts for you, <laughs> which is that minimum wage workers are older than they used to be. Their average age is 30 fucking five. 88% are at least 20 years old. Half are older than 30. And about a third are at least 40.
1: Yeah. Which, there, I've seen so many comments that are like, well, then don't take a minimum wage job. Oh. It's is that like, that? Oh. That? Oh. I, you know what? I, I thought it was weird. I thought, I thought maybe that I was, was like, a weird reach for me. But I just was like, minimum can wage. Make this work, right? Yeah. Oh,
0: and... What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then,
0: more importantly, many have kids. One quarter, uh, like twenty-seven percent of these of of minimum wage workers are parents. And if we were to raise the minimum wage, which is what ultimately this this woman is talking about and bitching about poorly. That's what she's talking about. Who
1: is getting paid less than what uh, they just passed to be minimum wage in California or parts of California.
0: After tech. You know, the point is she lives in an area. The tech industry has shot up inflation in that area. The tech industry should pay more wages to live in that area. Most importantly, raising the minimum wage, 19% of all children in the United States have a parent who would benefit from the increase. Yeah. That's what's at stake here. Not some dumb 25-year-old bitching about things.
1: And I have to say, so we are we only talk about these things because this is what is, like, taking all of the air out of the internet box right now. The most obnoxious part about this is that the people who are posting it all start their posts with, I couldn't get through the whole thing, but... And then they pivot to a conversation of them, like, giving a diatribe about how people have to work hard to move up. And the big takeaway seems to be that this woman should have showed more initiative and then she would have been able to get further in this company. And I'll tell you the truth, I couldn't get through it the first time I tried to read it either. But when I finally did, the second half of the article is just her going on and on about all the opinions she made that nobody listened to and all the money she tried to save. I mean, it's really just her going so that it, it reads much more like the letter of like a scorned woman who has tried to get somewhere and nobody effing cares so that it it feels much more in line with like the standard story of like tech companies that are like you're an opinionated woman or someone who's a little bit too ambitious and we don't like you instead of hearing that criticism and saying
0: that's frustrating she reminds me of amy jellicoe from enlightened laura dern's character where it's like oh god i don't like you But everything she's saying, she's responding to real injustice. Yeah. No, I don't like her.
1: So that really her only crime spend time on it. Yeah, is is writing that thing. So but that just brings me to the last point about this story, which is that if we can like narrow in on what we really hate about her, what we hate about her is her writing this letter. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's what we hate. But are we really trying to act like the founder of Yelp is going to be scandalized by someone writing mean things about someone on the internet? (laughs) Like giving people the opportunity to vent their feelings in a way that is at once anonymous and public, subjective and deeply personal and set free from the shackles of a decent word limit (laughs) is exactly how Jeremy Stoppelman makes millions of dollars to buy many, many loaves of what I presume is delicious organic bread. (laughs) Like he's fine. He's fine. She's probably gonna be fine. All the all the other people who've been getting paid minimum wage and trying to eke out a living are still not being heard and not being acknowledged. So, well and that's
0: actually a little bit of context for like what's what is also being overlooked is that the tech industry in particular has some pretty serious labor abuses. Yeah. That's going on right now. Specifically right now the, the there's uh at Intel in Santa Clara, California. There's like a class system of uh, employees. And you share this article with me. Mm -hmm. If you have a green badge, you're one of the engineers, one of the scientists. You get free food in the cafeteria. Mm. If you have a blue badge, you work in the cafeteria. You don't get free shit. You pay for shit. And your wages are not enough. To live in fucking Santa Clara, California, where, again, the cost of living has been wrecked by the tech industry, who refuses to pay its employees more.
1: I feel like this open letter is propaganda set out by the tech industry. I really <laughs> like, do. I, I really <laughs> yeah. think there's no such person as Talia Jane. and She's just, <laughs> yeah. just an amalgamation of what the tech companies knew would throw us off the scent. Oh, it
0: totally has. Oh, it has. An
1: entitled woman. Let's get her. <laughs> Poor Jeremy Stoppelman. <laughs> Um, yeah, oh man,
0: you know what, really, I think, in terms of what I, what people should have been talking about is this fucking Rebecca Traster article,
1: oh, that we're gonna talk about are we doing right that right now?
0: now, oh, we're jumping in,
1: they don't need a song buffer they
0: don't need a song buffer <laughs> okay. because this is what we should have been talking about the, the whole, whole time. time here's a little truth, for you
1: <laughs> so uh Anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while will know that James and I are huge Rebecca Traister fans, which is an obscure thing because me saying that almost anyone else is saying who is Rebecca Traister? the Traster? fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Rebecca Traster is an incredible writer. She works for New York Magazine and uh, she wrote a book that changed we my life. We reviewed
0: on this show, had a whole discussion about it.
1: It was called Big Girls Don't Cry. I still stand by that.
0: It's a cringeworthy title, title but, but the book is the book amazing. Is amazing. And uh, the, on the 22nd, so I think it was like two days ago, she um, wrote an article for the New Yorker that was like a compressed, it's called The Single American Woman.
1: For the New York Magazine. Or
0: New York Magazine, sorry.
1: I was like, oh my gosh, you did The New Yorker too? What a power no. week.
0: <laughs> no, New York Magazine. And um, and it's a compressed sort of uh, article pulled from her upcoming book, which is called All the Single Ladies, Unmarried Women and the Rise of an Independent Nation. Um. Which I do think could have been called It's Raining Women.
1: (laughs) If we're going to keep going with uh, parodies on on, uh, song titles. But we love you, Rebecca Trister. You're you're my god.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm going to let myself get absolutely soaking wet. Yeah, I went for it.
1: Did I hit those notes? It was like a bell.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's not how you sing. But this article is how you write about social, economic, and political inequality. (laughs)
1: uh it's gorgeous and i have to say i like many things had seen this was like getting posted on all of my young feminist friends that's how i refer to asia
0: oh
1: nice uh but and all of my other young feminist friend uh wall
0: but our uh, lesbian, lesbian friend asia <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh but everyone was posting it has like a really uh striking image of a woman home holding up her ring finger with like bright like, red it's, nails. The like finger, it's the middle finger there's
0: no ring on it
1: so i just kept seeing that and i was like i'll, I'll have to read that later and then you sent it to me and I was like, <gasps> I didn't. Neither
0: of us realized it was Rebecca
1: Tracer. Yeah, we're just gonna keep saying so her name. We both name. shit our pants <laughs> yeah.
0: and immediately just before we even cleaned up our dirty asses, started reading the article.
1: It's true. So it's fabulous, and we're going to do what never works on radio, and we're just going to read to oh, you. Oh, well, here's why. We're not going to start there, here's but it's why. happening. So the
0: the thesis of the the article is that single women are first of all the the population has more single women than it's ever had before since essentially the 19th century when uh, many men were killed in the civil war
1: <laughs> and that they're a voting block,
0: and that they are not just a voting bloc but the new political force who has a very clear sense of what they need politically, of the issues that matter to single women.
1: And they are tied to many demographics. Because as we figured out with the way that people talk about uh, Bernie and feminism, I know a woman. I've got a mom. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody does.
0: So the essay, you know, explores all these themes. It's she's
1: so many fags and it is so smartly written.
0: And then it ramps up in the end with uh, just one mic drop after another.
1: Yeah, she essentially... Like so many things of hers, she manages to start from a, a personal point of view. She talks about where she comes from, how she got married. She then goes into detail about the differences between how women used to get married, the age that w- at which women get married now. I will tell you, I'm 28 and married. I'm very close to 29. Like it's deceitful for me to keep saying 28, but yeah, sure. I've got a couple of months left. Run with it. So I'm 28 and married. And I I do sometimes feel weird about that. After reading this article, I flat out actually feel like a little ashamed now, which I know is not the intent. It's not the intent. It's not the intent at all. But there is this part of me that was like, oh, fuck, should I go back to saying my partner? Is that cooler?
0: Well, you know, I had to say real quickly, I said something to you last night. And then after I got off the phone with you and talking about this article, I thought, oh, I hope that didn't make her feel bad. Because I specifically said, uh, like, if you're a you know a woman or like a young person, and we were talking about this millennial article, your options are either like be single and pay for shit yourself, or get married. Because statistically, those are seem to be your options. And then after I said it, I was like,
1: <sighs> "See?" And that kind of stuff doesn't even occur to me as like that. Just is normal things that people say to women.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's but also statistically, what was happening? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, was like- I hear
1: you. And I and I want to clarify because we haven't actually said what's in what else is in the article. But it's not simply a matter of judgment. It's that statistically women this who get married in their 20s are significantly less uh, successful.
0: Their wages go down where their husbands go up.
1: Because men, when they are known as having a wife, people perceive that as, oh, well, you've got to be a provider. Whereas when women say, well, I have a husband, it's like, oh, you're being provided for. It's like that right. terrible line from uh, the Chelsea Does episode where the wedding planner is like, you've got to find a man that can afford the two of us. Oh, God. Where it's like, no, probably not. But then, this is my TV show. But,
0: yeah, I got it. But then statistically, if you are a single female, that is, it's career-wise you're, you're going to do better than a married woman.
1: Absolutely. It's scary. It's it really, terrifying. And it's not, it, like, nothing was surprising. And yet, again, with Rebecca Traster, she finds a way to tie these things together in, in a way that is so sensical and logical, but also is emotional it's just quite, quite well done.
0: Well, and, and then you get to the end of the article, and, and then it starts raining rant. mic drops.
1: <laughs> so uh, before, before we uh, get, to, get to the end rant, which we've edited down, but we're going to keep as much of as we can, um, I do want to point out that, as with many of her, her writings, she finds a way to talk about feminism and give a little shout out to Hillary Clinton. In a way that always is like just such great context that it's hard to read it and not be like, oh, wow, I never really thought about it that way.
0: She talks about women in power in a very intelligent way.
1: And Hillary is just sort of part of that conversation. Part of
0: that, yeah. No matter who you are.
1: <clears throat> so there's this great line where she goes, but could there be any grimmer emblem of the tolls of the traditional marriage? than the fact that Hillary is now picking up the tab for a decade of her party's policies, during which she was not an elected official, but a spouse. Say what? <laughs> That's a smart thing to say. Literally,
0: she, uh, Jackie was reading that in front of me at, at her house, and she like looked up at her computer and she was like, What, what? the what? <laughs> yeah, she just went there and I can't deny it. Oh, and then she went on. The independent woman, both high earning and low earning, Looks into her future and sees decades, decades, or even a lifetime, lived outside marriage, in which she will be responsible for both earning wages mm. and doing her own domestic labor. Mm. This is the new social compact that she requires.
1: Here are the things she needs. One. Stronger equal pay protections that guarantee women's labor will not be discounted because of the leftover assumptions that they are likely to be supported by husbands. That's not true anymore. They will be discounted or they will not? They will not. They will not. They will not be discounted. Number
0: two. A higher federally mandated minimum wage, which would help to alleviate the burdens of poverty on America's hardest
1: and least well-remunerated workers. You almost said that word right. (laughs) I almost did. Government, they need government. As long as you heard it right. These women need government-subsidized daycare programs, Mm. federally mandated paid family leave for both women and men Mm. who have new children or who need to take time off to care for ailing family members. That's sensible.
0: Universal paid sick day compensation. That means
1: for everybody.
0: Regardless of gender,
1: circumstance, or profession. And then she ends it with, come to think of it, these policies would benefit lots of people who are not single women as well. Oh,
0: oh, oh. All right, if you stuck with us this long, you've earned a song break. Here it is. We'll come right back. This is Loretta Lynn, Rated X.
1: I really like Rebecca Trister. <laughs> well, if you've been a married one a woman, and things does not seem to work out, I loved that.
0: Oh, man. Uh, The song or the Rebecca Tracer, or all of it? Oh,
1: it it sort of had become one experience, but (laughs) at that moment I was talking about the song.
0: (laughs) Great, great. Um, So uh, in this next segment, uh, we are looking to the past Mm. to learn some lessons.
1: Yeah, uh, we've learned a lot recently. We
0: sure have. Um, Well... How do we dive into this exactly? Okay,
1: I've decided that we should enter through uh, the the portal that's Kanye West and uh, Taylor Swift.
0: Yes. Okay. So this is kind of how we got there.
1: So we've been talking a lot about them because they talk a lot about each other, and as we talk Won't a lot shut about the, the internet fuck up about each other, <laughs> it actually. just happens. So, uh, but this segment overall is a story of not being able to end an argument in the same place.
0: So we had landed last week on the ta- uh, Kanye-Taylor um, uh, Swift feud, uh, sort of stepping away with the conclusion of, like, you, like you can't say bitch Kanye. Like, you came at Taylor. Like, I think very we landed very much, we were team Taylor, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. As much as we could be considering exactly. that we don't actually exactly. like her. Yeah, don't have a lot of skin in the fight. But.
0: And I really just wanted to revisit that just to say that they're actually – both the fucking worst. Uh, where each other are are concerned. Um, now, I do think it's cool, kind of, that Taylor Swift gave Kesha $250,000 to help her in this time of need.
1: That's cool. And we were talking about the fact of they, the fight can't die because every time you think that it's over, the next person has to be like, by the way, I've got a little response for you.
0: Yeah, I've got a little. And I, I had said to you the other day, like, Uh, yeah, I just, I think they're like the same fucking person.
1: Well, in the sense, and then I I try to be like, yeah, but at least, you know, Kanye's always the one starting it. Like, he's the one that's actively antagonizing her, and then she just goes overboard with responding. But then you said...
0: Well, you specifically said, you know, then she, like, writes a song about it or something. And I said, but as we've learned, writing a song about it... ...is just as aggressive and yes. just as antagonistic.
1: So uh, this is our long way of saying we've thought a lot about our Facebook segment where we uh, called out a lot of our friends and they're friends of friends. By name, strangers we've never met. Or have met once and we're perfectly nice people. Um, we apologize,
0: sort of. Sort of. Here's, here's how it goes.
1: <laughs> so... We realized that we were stuck in in a in our own bit of a Taylor Swift Kanye feud where we just couldn't couldn't figure out who had the the higher ground. I
0: know you are, but what am I? I 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 know you are, but what am I? Infinity. <laughs> <laughs> who am I supposed to be in that situation?
1: I, I think we we are both. We are both. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we are we are the all. We are everyone and no one exactly. All <laughs>
0: Um, all of which is to say, uh, we were totally infuriated with everyone we know and the people who also know them through Facebook ranting. People were being truly horrendous.
1: And this is all, just in case this is the first episode you've ever listened to, uh, two weeks back, we decided to do an actual reenactment that was all tongue in cheek where we, we just read out verbatim, uh, the posts that people had, you know, put up publicly on our friends' walls. And specifically- we chose three. One of them was from a very politically active person who's really frequently going online and engaging in these kind of like political diatribes. Uh, one of them was actually a very nice. And then the exchange. third
0: was. <laughs> then the third your was one <laughs> which
1: I, I, which was a situation where someone posted a, a article that they felt strongly about. And one of their friends just decided to use their wall as a place to rant about how much they disagreed with their beliefs. And then even when my friend was like, could you, could you stop? They were like, no.
0: Uh, And part of the impetus for doing the segment was that Jackie wanted to respond, but knew that if she posted on that Facebook thread, that it would antagonize the situation in a way that would make
1: everyone feel bad. So naturally, we did the sensible thing and did it on our podcast. (laughs) Which... And here are the things that I'm sorry for, and here are the things that I'm not sorry for. First of all, I actually, that was one of three instances of that, so that when we were thinking about the segment, it really was like, this wasn't the only one. I had, this wasn't the first time. Yeah, this I, I had three, has, yeah. three people I know get into a situation where they had to beg their friends to stop commenting on something that they had posted, where they just were like, please, please <laughs> stop. Uh, so it was by, by no means the only, the only one, but also, Uh, Here's here's what I do I do regret is that my whole point was that you shouldn't use your friend's public space for your personal uh, feelings if they're going to be this long and this vitriolic. Unfortunately, when I when I recorded this as a clip uh, of this of the segment and then I posted it and I tagged people, it posted to their walls. (laughs) Which, and I <laughs> admittedly, I just, we didn't realize that would happen. I just want to let people know that that was less of a, of a dirty media trick and more of a moment of me realizing, I, I don't know how to use Facebook as well as I thought I did.
0: Now, having said all of that, uh, I still land on I'm not that sorry.
1: And here's, here's sort of why. Is that at the end of the day, I do think it initiated a conversation about what is public and what is private. Because for several people who I talked to afterwards there really was a distinction that we had to make between what I was just posting on my friend's walls. That's just my friends and her friends and having to really say out loud to your friends that actually, actually that's also my family goes to my Facebook. Everyone I've
0: ever worked with yeah. in various professional realms. Are I'm on friends Facebook. with my boss
1: on Facebook so that when you come in and you say that you can't believe uh, that I could be this stupid and misguided in my feminism, you're kind of calling me out in front of, all of my family and important people that you don't know I've got a lot of I got like
0: I got friends you don't know and to be completely honest like let's let's be real here there are more people uh who see who see Jill's wall than listen to our fucking podcast yeah, it, that's the other thing like, is
1: that uh if you're hearing this right now uh you, Hi, mom yeah exactly <laughs> like, <laughs> we are we are small and few but growing uh but not that fast
0: so I mean literally I'm looking at it right now your friend has 563. Facebook friends
1: and we had 143 listens
0: and we're so grateful oh my god I would blow every single one of you but let's you know
1: I'm I'm not I know what I am yeah us doing it
0: really was the equivalent of posting it on Facebook except the production quality was
1: slightly
0: better and fewer people saw it yeah
1: uh, so anyway I don't know we can call this at least a response I think we've actually just managed to make a whole uh, segment into giving us the opportunity to just sail- Taylor Swift it again <laughs>
0: yep I think we did but we
1: didn't say anyone's name no so
0: we really Taylor Swifted it
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it just it could be about anything it wasn't even any about while. you but like I said here's
0: $250,000
1: I do sincerely uh, call out my own hypocrisy to tell people about the etiquette for posting on people's public space and while posting on your public space. I just
0: also add that I am no worse. If anything, you're right. I am equal. We're dead even. (laughs) (laughs) We're both the fucking worst. Much like Taylor Swift and Kanye West.
1: Uh, We're going to play a song, (laughs) but when we come back, we're going to be talking about who's the best, and it's (laughs) Samantha B.
0: I do like the pattern of the show where we have gone from this is the worst, but this is the best. (laughs) Well, this is the fucking worst, but
1: this is the, the best! best.
0: <laughs> All right, here's a song.
1: Then I'm gonna go ahead and put it in the category of the best. Oh, this song's great. So, this is Keep It Warm by Flo and Eddie. They were two members of uh, the band The Turtles in the 70s, and they're sort of like the original Flight of the Concords. It's Love pretty it. great. A fun weird oh, song. Yeah, I feel like I just smoked like a huge <laughs> joint. <laughs> that was a, a song that Justin recommended to us. Uh, that he your sent husband. me. Yeah, yeah that yeah. my husband. I try not to say that anymore. Uh, oh, your my your uh, my roommate. Heart, your room, roommate. My uh, uh, yeah. Just leave it at that. It's the person yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we sometimes hang out. If anyone
1: want to say, he didn't help me pick that song at all. I did it all by myself. I fucking
0: wrote that song. <laughs> Um, so our last oh segment man. of the day,
1: we were obsessed with Samantha, Samantha Bee, and I try not to use that phrase because it gets over overused. But we are pretty excited about it. We have
0: been. I mean, we're totally indoctrinated into worshiping this show. I think even like even the New York Post called her the like rightful heir to John,
1: John Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, which I gotta say, I don't disagree. I don't disagree and, either. And if I'm being perfectly honest, when it was first announced that she was getting a show there was this little part of me that was like i don't know i feel like i've seen most of what this woman does and it just feels like it's time it's time to to you know let in the next guard and you know what i was really fucking wrong oh man me too so for a reminder samantha
0: b was a regular correspondent on the daily show under Jon stewart's reign um and uh she left the show Mm -hmm. and hasn't Been on TV in uh, about like six to nine months. Mm -hmm. um, And finally has her own late night talk show. Mm -hmm. Ta-da. The only woman.
1: Yeah. All right. So just before we get into how great it is. How does it
0: feel to be the only woman? Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's she's covered this well, the fact that she's sick of answering those questions. But I I do just have to say, and we're not going to dwell here for long at all. Well, why isn't there more of this? Like, why is this still, why is this still a thing? Like, as much as I completely love this show, I can't help but wonder why it's only half an hour once a week and it still has to be called Full Frontal.
0: Well, before we get further into that, let's see if you guys like it. And we'll play a clip real quickly. Um, this is not the clip where she calls Hillary Clinton Hermione Clinton.
1: Uh, but But that it's happened. pretty great. That happened. You can seek that out. It's on the internet.
0: What's canting? <laughs> And unlike me, Hillary took that note to heart. What are women missing about you?
1: Well, first Judy, I have spent my entire adult life uh, working toward making sure that women are empowered to make their own choices, even if that choice is not to vote for me. Oh,
0: my God, she's the giving tree. She gives and she gives till she's just a sad little stump with nothing left but her $32 million fortune
1: plus a quarter million per speech. Now, when
0: asked about... Oh, man, it's, it's solid. And it's solid in a couple ways. I will say, as a like avid Hillary supporter, no other comedian has gotten me to laugh out loud at mm-hmm. anti-Hillary jokes or at jokes that are just calling out Hillary on her bullshit. It's well, fucking funny. Funny.
1: It's been a while since there was a comedian. Perhaps it is since there was a great female comedian writing for SNL. Um, but I think it, it's it been a while since there was a great comedian. Who that are you talking about? Tina Fey. Oh, got it. I live for the Tina Fey, uh, bitch is the new black moment. Like, it just replays behind my eyelids all the time.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're, ta- I we're not that, talking about that way. right I now. I think we all knew that. <laughs> I, don't think a, I was like, and? What, yeah. what is the new information?
1: <laughs> um... But anyway, Samantha Bee does a really good job of actually being able to, uh, pray like make fun of their their uh, the things that make them great like, while also really really pinpointing what their failures are. Oh
0: yeah! In fact, the even that clip, what's fun about it is it it really is like, the the giving tree is such like a a, a specific symbol from our childhood that like instigates compassion, but. She still, as you said earlier, keeps us honest. Oh, yeah. By throwing in the $32 million fortune and quarter mil speaking fees per speech. Which is
1: absolutely Which true. Which is all true. There's it's... another
0: great moment on the show where um, so, if Hillary's asked, I think, in a debate, um, something about, you know, being a woman or whatever. And she said, you know, I I never thought I would uh, be on this stage asking you to vote for me as president. <laughs> and Samantha Bee, without missing a beat, is like, Fuck off! Who oh, me, me? I'm little old me? No. no, I never thought about
1: it. She's good. Her delivery is solid. The joke structure is really good. I'm. I actually think it's most similar. I mean, it's actually most similar to like old school Daily Show, which right now can be also superimposed onto Last Week Tonight. Like the shows. That's that's sort of the feeling where they really are like. Going in the, in, in, depth, in the way that
0: *Serial* is an offshoot of this American life, like the producers part ways but keep elements of the voice from the the ship from whence they came.
1: Yes, but also in terms of like the things that these shows succeed at, I think that they manage to really like go in depth in, in a way that is is better than the daily, the Daily Show. But I was I just mean shows that happen daily. But um, and, even though
0: I would blow literally anyone in Hollywood if it meant that Samantha B got a Daily Show. Oh God. I mean, anybody. Why
1: isn't there more of this? I don't I understand. Just, I, I it's really... been
0: out for three weeks. I So I really hadn't swallowed or digested the fact that it was a once a week, 22 minute mm-hmm. show. So I watched the first one. I was like, what the? That was fucking great. Oh my God, I need more of this. So I watched the second one. I was like, oh my God, that was even greater. Uh, and then I watched the third one and there was no more. Yep. Yep.
1: Like that's the giving tree. Imagine what happened for me where I I was like, I actually was so in, like excited about this that I watched it live on the internet. Oh. And I was like, this is incredible. I'm going to tell everybody to watch this tomorrow. And I couldn't because it's once a week. I also had to download it.
0: It's also not accessible. No, it's on TBS.com. No, it's on TBS.com if you have a cable provider. Oh,
1: see, that's bad. That's kind of bullshit. That's why I have to say... Yet again, this is super exciting, but but this whole separate but equal thing is like it's done. Can we be done with this? Right. It not like it doesn't work. Although
0: I will say, so we we actually bumped a um a segment about network TV, which did involve a lot of like man heavy shows.
1: In I mean, but seriously, we this is the third week.
0: (laughs) We both we've both watched The Grinder. We've both watched Brooklyn Nine Nine, and we've both watched Crazy Ex Girlfriend. We have done, which is like four. Plus hours of viewing.
1: I I kid you not. I was up until two last night doing my schoolwork, and then got up at six a.m. this morning to watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because I promised you, James, that I would do it.
0: And she did it, and we don't. We're have not time talking for about it. it. Nope. But uh, I will say we are.
1: The, we've got seven minutes, but you nope, just got nope, cut. Stop, got stop cut. talking about it. Stop
0: <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> no, but I will say one thing that we were kind of going to go into with that is that the the difference between network TV and TBS. Is that tbs really gives her like no censorship like her swears are bleeped but she gets to say fuck that i i don't know if you caught on the there's that the beginning of that clip we played starts with her saying what's canty and it's because she wrote there was like a a, an image that was uh, a note written on hillary clinton's wrist that said don't be c star nty cunty
1: and it, it technically was an image of a, a woman's two wrists, and on the first wrist, it just said "shrill equals bad." <laughs> on the second wrist, it says "don't be it, cunty." It, don't be cunty. Yeah. It, uh, it's great. And um, but had, if she was on, this
0: is where it's like this middle ground of separate but equal, where like if she was on network, she would have it would be she'd be more mainstream. It would be impressive in that right, but she couldn't do pretty much any of the things that she's doing on this show. But she's still not allowed to be on HBO.
1: She still doesn't get the
0: Showtime night show. She doesn't get... So it is still this middle ground of like, oh, we'll just put this dog and pony show over here.
1: Yeah, but I, I just hope that in the year that saw the success of Creed and Trainwreck and Samantha Bee's new show and Hamilton, like nobody, surely nobody could still be trying to say, like, well, you just can't make money with women and minorities. Like, that's just not, it's just not Wait. true. Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, Star right. Wars. That. I forgot. That it was, was for, such yeah, a blip don't. on the screen. <laughs> yeah, really, no one saw it. really disappeared. I just also want to shout out the fact that Samantha Bee's new show is super well designed. Like, it's sort of fun to look at. It its it also feels like a lady set. Like, it's curved, but it's all these screens. And so, like, the, the graphics are pretty great. And I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um what else can we say that's great about well, it? Oh, the field I, pieces. I
0: actually want to ask. Yeah. Uh, so, well, the, let's do the field pieces first, because they're very Daily Show.
1: Very Daily Show. They're So in that way, you could say that they're completely derivative. But who am I kidding? They're really good. And they're I great. missed a great yes. field segment. Like, that's the thing. If the worst thing that you can say about the show is that it feels like a feminist rehashing of the Daily Show, doesn't that sound fucking awesome? <laughs> <Yeah>. What's wrong <laughs> like, with that? Yeah, like... I'm down. I'm super. Like I signed up for this party. I'm staying.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, the, it's like turducken. No, it's not turkey, but no, it's because it's turkey with a duck and a chicken.
1: Tastes a little chickeny, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, no, it's it's super. It's super great. And her, so she did a two part field piece in uh, Jordan about Syrian refugee camps. She went specifically to about went to the how they're border. all
0: women and and children. And that it's completely impossible with a refugee program for a terrorist to join and choose that they want to be relocated to America. Specifically
1: in America. The, that the, the process to actually get into America as a Syrian refugee, it's like 1% get in.
0: All of which is to say that banning these refugees and not taking any of them because ISIS might be in there makes no fucking sense.
1: Not in this context. and Well, and that specifically you can't sign up to be a refugee either. Well not only that, but you also can't sign up for like, I choose America, please send right. me there. Yeah. Now.
0: They'll send you wherever whoever's got their hand outreached. Like. Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, she does a good job. And it and it ranges from like the very sincere to the what you would expect from a Daily Show esque field piece. You know, her in us in a group of uh, of Syrians who are who have just uh come to America and she's initiating them with an English lesson where you learn phrases like I wear sweatpants all the time. I cannot eat gluten. Can I borrow
0: your HBO Go (laughs) login?
1: (laughs) It's pretty funny. Now, I want to get into something
0: about the show, and it's going to be the wrap up for this week, which is uh, there's been some murmurs about, well, is her Hillary humor pro Hillary or anti Hillary? And I kind of think it doesn't fucking matter.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen this. If this is a thing, it should be. It's
0: been murmurs and it's been like, like people trying to ferret out, like, oh, does this mean that she's. Does she love Hillary? Is she trying to twist it? And it's like, um. It's just like the onion thing where it's like, that's not. I don't think it matters. It's comedy. It's funny. It, 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 comedy with an opinion is not propaganda. Like, why yeah. are you trying to ferret out? Like, Samantha Bee's not trying to trick you. She's trying to make you laugh. And,
1: and she's doing she, a good job. A
0: really good job. And I think part of it is that I, I keep describing her as Carrie Fisher meets Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. And I think by that I mean that she's like a really nice mix of third and second wave feminism where she can make the the joke about Hillary being, like, a horrible person or a horrible shrew or whatever it is. Which I think is very, like, third-wave feminism to shit on her. But then also make the joke of, like, and you can thank me for the breast pump rooms and the keeping and your, your maiden mid-name. names.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. Well, she's just... She's like the embodiment. She, in some ways, is the comedy version. She is to comedy what Rebecca Traister is to feminist writing. My kind of, my kind of style. I don't know. She's just she's got it all. Not to mention the fact that I do think that right now, this seems to be a trend where to be able to speak competently in a way that isn't like receiving huge backlash about women's rights, you've got to be a little bit older. And the fact that Samantha Bee is a mother of two and she seems to represent something that everyone's really excited about. Where she's not just the first female; she really is the embodiment of like she sort of
0: has it all. Yeah, it really is sort of magical. Yeah, I don't feel uh, I, I. It's just funny. It's yeah. like I don't feel like there's any reason to take it personally, regardless of who you're supporting. Just to, unless you're a Republican, she oh, really yeah, lays it. That, but that's just a given. <gasps> oh, no.
1: that that whole other half of our country, <laughs> yeah, I don't, No,
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Other than that, everyone will like <laughs> Other her. than them. Literally everyone. <laughs> all right, everybody. I'm Jackie Danziger.
0: I'm James Tyson. You should
1: follow us on Facebook. You should follow our blog, which we're actually posting funny things all the time Jackie on.
0: Jackieandjames.tumblr.com.
1: And you can subscribe to us on iTunes and you can rate and review us.
0: And I really do mean it. If there's anyone out there with power in the world who can get Samantha Samantha B. more airtime,
1: I'll blow you. I think we all will. Good night, everybody. Have a good week.